Live from the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. So I'm going to give you a couple of really important disclaimers as we start the mashup Monday hour of the Sports Huddle. Welcome, everyone. 402 on a Monday afternoon. Bob Black with you here. Matt Joseph's hanging around for another hour. That's why we call it Mashup Monday after he finished up his 3 o'clock border to borders. I'm going to give you a couple of disclaimers because we are obviously going to continue from Matt's conversation in the 3 o'clock hour to talk about the Commanders game yesterday against the Eagles. And I have to say, as an Eagle fan, and Matt is as well, those of you that listen a lot, you know that if you're relatively new to the program, I guess that's a third disclaimer, is that we are both actually Philadelphia Eagle fans, and I'm going to speak for myself. This is by far and away my least favorite game every year on the Eagles schedule. The Washington at Philadelphia game is by far and away my least favorite game on the schedule. You talk about a fan who gets uptight and wasn't even in the stadium. That would be me yesterday. And it's been like that every year. And for whatever reason, Washington seems to save some of its best football for the game at Philadelphia. And the Eagles, conversely, save some of their – well, yesterday they played fairly well, but they saved their most stupid decisions for the game against Washington in Philadelphia. So that's the disclaimer that I start with today. I was so annoyed by that game yesterday. Disclaimer two, I really couldn't and still haven't been able to separate myself as a Philadelphia Eagle fan – as a Washington commander journalist and talk show host. But I'm going to try because Matt did a great job of doing it in the 3 o'clock hour, and I didn't because I was so annoyed and so frustrated by the decisions that my team made yesterday, both physically and mentally, that it was hard for me to get past that and start zeroing in on Washington, which is why, Matt, I agree with you. I would have gone for two, but I'm not going to be nearly as adamant about it as you were. And I think it's because I still can't separate myself from being an Eagle fan and a commander reporter or whatever you want to call us. And I had somebody in the Robin Center office say to me today, because we were debating the issue of going for two or going for one. And look, I would have gone for two at the end of the day, on the road, underdog, all of the things that you talked about, just not as adamant about it i actually and i think what i learned from uh one of the guys in the robin center was when the team you're playing makes a decision that you hoped they would have made then it was probably the wrong decision for that team and the right decision for your team your team does that make sense like i i breathed a sigh of relief when Ron Rivera went for the PAT. Does that make any sense? Uh, yeah. I didn't want them to go for two because I thought they were going to get it because I just watched them move down the field. So I figured, okay, Eric Bieniemy's got all sorts of great two-point plays in his in his bag that he's going to pull out, and we're going to lose, and I'm going to be miserable. And But thankfully, Ron Rivera's a coward. Yeah, like I said, I'm not going to go that far, and I'm not going to be that adamant because I think there are a couple of other things at play here. And look, his gassed comment... Uh, 
That's a tough one to swallow if you're a Washington fan. Now, here's where I would have been a little bit more concerned and a little worried if I was Ron Rivera and Eric Bieniemy and Sam Howell and the commanders in that situation. Although the way the day was going, I think the Eagles would have made one more stupid decision that would have helped them out. I wouldn't have been as worried about being gassed because the Eagle defense was not only gassed, it was stunned, it was bewildered, it was back on its heels, it was deflated, it was all of that. My worry would have been making sure we pick pick the right one of those myriad of plays that you said that they have and that everybody was on the same page to run it. They had no timeouts remaining. The play clock was going to start ticking, and they were going to have to get that playoff. My problem there, Matt, is that the Eagles would have made one more stupid decision, and they would have called a timeout to set their defense, and then that would have given – Bienemy, Rivera, Hal, McLaurin, Robinson, whomever, the time to set up that last play, and they would have won the game. Does that make any sense? Uh, I don't know if they would have called timeout. I, I, maybe. I mean, certainly they called timeout before the other play, so that's a possibility. But I, I, yeah, I think they would have called something pretty quickly. But clearly, they went into that drive thinking they were going to kick the extra point because if you had any inkling you were going to go for two, you have the play ready that you're going to use in that two point conversion. Who has the play ready? Uh, Biennemi does, or Ron Rivera does, or whoever. They would have They would have gone into that drive saying, if we score, we're, we're using a two-point conversion, so have a play ready. And clearly they didn't. Well, he would have, but I think he had more important things to worry about before the two-point play. He had to get him in the end zone first. I, I think it would have come in those 40 seconds. I really do. I, and the situation would dictate what you're, go, what you're going to use for that two-point play. And I do believe... And, you know, all of us Eagle and Philadelphia fans are as negative as they can be. But if they didn't call, if the Eagles, we're talking about the Eagles here calling a timeout, not Washington. They didn't have any timeouts. If the Eagles did not call a timeout there, I would have had every confidence the Eagles would have stopped that play, actually. I think the commanders with a young quarterback and they're still, you know, all a gaga over getting the touchdown. I think it would have been difficult for them to get set, get the right play, get it in formation and get it off and succeed with it against the Eagle veteran Eagle defense on that last play. So that again, I still would have gone for it. I would have done it, but I do think there's two sides to this coin and I'm not quite as adamant about it as you are. Number one and number two, I just think there was so much positive for Washington that that's not what I'm going to focus on. I mean, that's fine. I'm just saying when you're coaching with your coaching livelihood on the the docket and a, and a ownership group that's looking for reasons to let you go, you just gave them another one by not believing in your team and by not going for two there. Yeah, I'm not going to go as far as to say he wasn't believing in his team. And how do you know how the owners were actually thinking? Maybe they thought it was the right decision. I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I don't think there's a right answer here. I think the book tells you to go for it on the road as an under. I get all of that, but I don't think it was as clear cut as you're making it out to be and I'm not as adamant about it but I would have gone for two in that situation and I just again it's hard for me to draw that dividing line here because I was just so annoyed by the decisions the Eagles were making gosh I hope they would not have called a time out there to get their defense set because then I do think Washington would have had the advantage and here's the other thing in all reality well not reality in almost all reality the overtime worked for Washington. Look, if it wasn't for Reed Blankenship's forearm, that would have been a catch for McLaurin, and their drive would have continued. 
it didn't, but they were in an okay position there. They had gotten the ball first. They were in an opportunity to go down and score. And by the slightest of toes on the cleat, that pass was incomplete. Then defensively, they did about what they needed to do, right? That was not a 28-yard field goal. That was a 54-yard field goal, meaning the ball was only at about, what, the 38-yard line or so? Of I mean, the defense did about what it needed to do in that situation. Again, all the reasons I'm saying I'm not as adamant as you were, and I think there were just so many more positives for Washington that they can move forward from this. I, um, Yeah, and, and there were a lot of good positives, and the difference was they were more balanced when they had to be. They ran the ball more. They didn't throw it that much more than they were supposed to. I, I just think this makes Thursday night a, a borderline must-win uh, for everybody involved because you don't want to lose a home Thursday night game to a team you are way better than. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I think they are way better than the Bears, and I think they will dominate the Bears on Thursday night. The other thing I'm going to say here, it's easy for us as talk show hosts to to think in those terms, but if you're a commander player or commander coach, you can't think in those terms. That I got to go for two because my job is on the line. You can't do that. If you do that, you're not going to have a job. You just need to be coaching to win that game game and everything that you worked up for during the week in practice and put it into play and you can't be thinking oh i better go for two because the owners are watching and they want to go for two you cannot do that you've got to do what you truly believe will put your position your team in position to win the game and that's what he thought i would have gone for two i'm with you on that i just think they're going to move on from that and i think they're going to be fine and i think we're now seeing the coming of age and the beginning of a legit quarterback in Sam Howell. And no matter what else happened, they can't lose sight of that um, because that's what everybody's been looking for since August is, is Sam Howell going to be the answer quarterback? And we started to get that answer yesterday. Uh, I didn't love the Eagles game plan of basically giving the receivers a free reign off the uh, line of scrimmage. A lot of his throws that he made were to open receivers. But yes, he gets credit for the mobility, which I think is huge nowadays in the NFL. Um, I want to see what he does against teams that press cover these wide receivers. Uh, I'm guessing the Bills did a lot more of that than uh, the Eagles did. But yes, it was a very nice step forward for him. Yeah, I mean, we can get into the uh, WIP Sports Radio Talk sound if we want to because I would give you a long, long list of things that left me shaking my head. Now, at the end of the day, the NFL is a results-driven business, and the result is a win for the Eagles, and they're still imperfect, but they're still unbeaten at 4-0. and But I just think Washington Redskins commanders football team just brings out the worst in the Eagles in Philadelphia. There were just so many stupid decisions and plays yesterday. It was just I'm glad I watched that game alone yesterday because I was yelling and screaming to the TV and that would have been an embarrassment to anybody who was around. I'm glad the door back door was closed so the neighbors didn't hear because it was it was not pretty to include the touchdown pass with a minute 45 to go in regulation great play from Jalen Hurts to AJ Brown but why are you running that play in that situation Matt I just you've got the best field goal kicker in the world you can run the clock down to almost all zeros and kick a game winning field goal why would you do that See, we'll disagree there because I, you should have faith in your defense that they can stop them. And it would have been less of an issue if A.J. Brown doesn't taunt and they don't get to be able to return the kickoff and they start that drive at the 20 or the 25, whatever it is. Uh, it, that made a huge difference. 
There you go. Another stupid decision by the Eagles. A.J. Brown was great, but he let a rookie get under his skin in that game. He let Emmanuel Forbes get under his skin. And you know what? I heard um, uh, Mitch Tischler on their, their podcast this morning threw this one out there, and even he admitted he may be going a little overboard on this, but I don't know. I, I mean, Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown may have just been thinking, let's show this rookie a little something here at the end of the game. And they would have had enough confidence in their defense. I get that. But I think if you give any team in the NFL a minute 45 at the end of the game, you're going to give them at least a fighting chance, whereas in this case, you could have given them no chance whatsoever to win that game if you would have just controlled the ball and the clock like you did a week ago and proved how great you are at it against Tampa. You didn't need to make that play. Great play. Don't get me wrong. Great play. A.J. Brown, you know, one of the top three receivers in the National Football League, no doubt about it. And Hurts had his best game of the year. No doubt about that either. But that was just one of a myriad of stupid penalties and decisions. And you had to call that one, Matt. I know I heard you say it, uh, no fun in the NFL, but they really are letting them have as much fun as they can. That one you couldn't let go. They had been trash-talking all day. You didn't want something to get out of hand. He literally dropped the ball right on the guy who was laying on the ground. I think everybody, including Jalen Hurts, if you saw him kind of tongue-lash A.J. Brown on the bench after the touchdown, agreed that had to be called. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll disagree. I just think that there's so much trash talk going on throughout the game. And, and I think Emmanuel Forbes learned a very nice lesson in terms of you want to talk trash, do it in the third or fourth quarter, not after the very first completion, uh, incompletion against one of the better wide receivers in the league. Well, he got what he wanted, though. He got a 15-yard penalty that helped his team and put them in position. I don't think if they get the ball at the 25, the Eagle defense lets them score. That one I am much more adamant about. And they are letting them do things to a degree to allow their personality to come out, right? I mean, whenever there's a turnover, the whole defense goes running into the end zone and dancing for the cameras and all of that kind of stuff. And every time a receiver gets a first down, they get up and they point that. So it's not like they're penalizing everything. They're only penalizing the really egregious stuff. And I would say the majority of people, both Eagle fans and Commander fans, I know you're in the minority, felt that had to be called. You, you just, at some point, you had to draw the line, and A.J. Brown should just know better not to do that. And as he said in the locker room after the game, Jalen Hurts reminded me it's never about the opponent. It's about us. And with that in mind, he shouldn't have done what he did. But that was only one, Matt, of, of many in that game for the Eagles, but yet they are 4-0. So from their perspective, one of two things has to happen. Either they're really going to play a complete game, hopefully here in the next couple of weeks, which are more than winnable games in L.A. and at New York, or they're really going to go sideways and they're going to lose a game here before too long. And they can't afford to lose the next couple because I know you have, but if you peaked at the Eagles' schedule in about three weeks, it's really hard. Just win. So I got to do, Bob. The yep. Arizona Cardinals one of the worst teams in the league. They have a win over the Cowboys. I don't care how you do it. You just win, and then you worry about next week. And that's the problem. You start worrying about next week. So I'm ready for them to put it all together. And here's the other thing. They know how to win. The commanders don't yet know how to win. They're getting there. And I think that helped the Eagles, as it turned out yesterday as well. But, man, they just they made some just stupid plays and decisions that I don't think they'll make against most of the other teams that they're going to play. I really don't. I just think there's something about this game, NFC East game. Washington always seemingly comes into Philly as the underdog, and they always play great. And, you know, the longer the underdog goes on, the better of a chance they have of, 
of winning the game. So I was, again, really impressed with Washington, uh, what Sam Howell did. I actually thought their offensive line did a pretty decent job, Matt. I know there were five sacks. So, hey, they cut it basically at half from the week before against Buffalo. And, look, an Eagle blitzing linebacker had three of the five sacks. So the Eagles' vaunted defensive line, you know, it was probably a standstill between the defensive line and the offensive line of the commanders. Now, the blitzes certainly helped the Eagles. So I just think there was a lot to be positive about for the commanders yesterday. The commanders will start winning next year with Eric Bieniemy as their head coach. Could be. I'm not convinced that's going to happen. It depends on how this season goes. Uh, if if uh, the offense continues to do what it did yesterday and they continue to lose games, then yes, I think Eric Bieniemy would be their head coach. If that's not the case, it would not totally surprise me if this new ownership group just goes in an entirely different direction and starts from scratch. But that's still to be determined. And I think now at least there's a glimmer of hope that none of that is going to happen, that they're going to be able to stand pat with what they've got because they're making sufficient progress to do that. We need to make some progress here. We need to move on. Already about 4.18. This is why we love Mondays on the Sports Huddle and on Border to Border, and it's why we give you the 4 to 5 hour as Mashup Monday on the Sports Huddle. Here's what's coming up on today's Sports Huddle. Just a huge fan of sports. This is the River City Rundown. River City Rundown brought to you by the Richmond chapter of the American Red Cross. Your help is needed for the Red Cross to continue to be on call for local or national emergencies. To learn how you can volunteer or donate blood, visit redcross.org. Again, Matt's with us until uh, 5 o'clock. We will continue along these lines and this conversation on the Commander Eagle game from yesterday. I actually have a few other thoughts that we may get to here before the 5 o'clock hour comes up. And then we're wide open this afternoon. We do not have any guests that I'm aware of anyway on a Monday afternoon. So we would love for you to be a part of the show. 804-327-0888. Get you on the air. 327-0888 is also the text line. Let's get that first break in. We'll come back with more of the Mashup Monday portion of the Sports Huddle at about 20 after 4. Thanks for locking in on 1061 ESPN. Spiders? Well, you've got them. 1061 ESPN is your exclusive radio home for all things Spiders athletics in the River City all year long. ESPN would like to issue an apology to all of our Commander fans for having to listen to two Philadelphia Eagle fans complain about a team that threw up 175 yards with one receiver and a quarterback who threw for over 300 pa- yards in or four now we are very very sorry <laughs> yeah and <laughs> that was beautiful ag aj that was beautiful complete with the uh, background music that that was absolutely beautiful so uh, and i agree you never I, i'm never going to apologize for a win in any sport uh, because it is hard to win, and especially in the NFL when you only get 17 chances, and especially when it's a division game like that one was. So, no, no apologies here. And I, I said it. My biggest issue with Philadelphia was the decision-making, not the playing. Jalen Hurts was outstanding. 319 yards, two touchdowns, wasn't intercepted. Um, you know, DeAndre Swift was, again, very good when he got the opportunity. Brown was great. Devontae Smith wasn't bad, quite frankly. Um, so, yes, not apologizing whatsoever for the win. Just frustrated with a lot of the decision-making that they made. Although I will say, Matt, I think you were referring to this play, um, the one late hit on Sam Howell 
when he was going out of bounds. Is that one of the ones you were referring to when you were on in the three o'clock hour? Uh, yeah, it's a it's a tough call because you know Sam Howell's going for the first down. Yeah. You got to make sure he's not going to get it. And, yeah. and the, the, it, I, you know, it, I would have been you know I wouldn't have been happy if it was the other way around. If it was Jalen Hurts and and they did that sort of thing. But like it's just such a tough thing. You don't want to give up the first down. And if he goes back and he veers back into the field and gets the first down because you ease up, then then what happens? Not even. Not even veering back into the field, but I feel like he was getting ready to extend his right arm forward so that the ball would pass over the pylon of the first down marker, which means they would have spotted the ball there as his foot was hitting the white on the out of bounds. And I get it. I get the rule is if there's a foot on the white, it's going to be a late hit. They had their rules expert on to describe that. And even he said the tough part of that play was that he was going for the first down. So that one that one bugged me a little bit. I didn't think that one was necessarily a penalty. So I even kind of threw that one out of the equation and still felt as though they just made too many bad decisions uh, yesterday. Again, both from the sidelines and on the field itself. And hopefully they will clean all that up and shore all that up moving forward because Philadelphia's schedule is about to get about as tough as it can possibly be. So they need to stockpile as many of these wins as they possibly can, particularly the next two weeks. Then right away they got to go back to, to D.C. at the end of October for the return game there, and then they get into the games with, like, Miami and Buffalo and San Francisco and Dallas twice. So they better get the wins early here, and they better just continue to play better. I was encouraged, by the way, they played for the most part, maybe not defensively and maybe not against the pass yesterday, but for the most part I thought physically – they, they played pretty well, and I say the same thing about the Commanders. I thought they looked fast. I lo- thought they looked strong. Um, you know, I thought they were proactive in a lot of situations, and Sal- Sam Howell took a major step forward, which he needs to do again on Thursday night against Chicago. What's the, uh, what's the opening line on that one, Matt? Uh, the opening line is uh, seven and a half around. Wow, for Washington, obviously. Right? Oh, yeah. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Good for them. They're getting some respect out of this, aren't they? Well, I also think it's the Bears inside <laughs> of the equation. The, it is the Bears. Um, I can't believe they lost that game yesterday to Denver. Um, so they're they're in a world of hurt for sure. Um, all right. Anything else still on your mind on the Washington-Philadelphia uh, game from yesterday? We cover most of it. I mean, I'll tell you this. It, it's. It, 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 I wonder when the, the heat starts getting on Jack Del Rio. I mean, the the defense yeah. gives up 34 to the Eagles, 33 yeah. to the Broncos, 37 to the Bills, 16 to the Cardinals, but that's like 30 against a normal team. Like, I want to know when we turn the heat on Jack Del Rio, considering all that stuff and the off-the-field stuff, which people never liked, and, like, you know, at some point he's got to get the microscope on him. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would absolutely agree with that. And I think we kind of went into the season thinking that. A little bit, right? I mean, Eric Bieniemy was certainly going to have a honeymoon period with the offense, and he was going to get a little bit of a flyer, a little bit of a, a pass moving forward. But this has been Jack Del Rio's defense for several years now, and and he's pretty much got everybody healthy defensively, doesn't he? At this point, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, pretty so, much right? everybody of substance is there, and and he's got a healthy Chase Young for once. Yeah, that's what I mean. He's back, and I think everybody else 
is there. So I think you're right about that. I think some of this is going to fall on, on their shoulders on the defensive side for, for the commanders. But I think not, that notwithstanding, Thursday they will have um, a dominant performance against the Bears. And then they'll get a little bit of time. They'll get a little bit of a breather with the kind of mini bye week there, right? Yes, yes. And, I mean, obviously, I know you never go as far as I do, but if they lose to the Bears, I um, I consider firing Rivera. If you have hope for this season, I consider, and this is the only spot you can do it because the bye week's in November and you're not going to do it with three games left because either you're in the playoff hunt and you're going to keep him or you're out of it and it makes no sense to fire him. Depending upon how that game goes, if they lose on Thursday, I consider it. Depends on how it goes and who they want to make as a scapegoat, right? Because I think the other scapegoat that could could happen is the name you just mentioned. So if they lose, like, whatever, 38 to 35, I, I think the scapegoat there could be Jack Del Rio and Rivera saves his job for a while. I think that's kind of their last resort. I think they would much rather get through the entire year with Rivera. But if that thing goes sideways Thursday – and that's kind of the mini bye week where they could potentially do something. Uh, and they have never, and by they I mean all the owners, the new owners of the commanders, they have never come out and fully supported Ron Rivera. They haven't done the opposite either, but they have they have pretty much stayed away from that conversation, unless there's stuff you've heard that I haven't. No, I, and that's the thing. That's the one thing that hasn't come out of this whole you know recap from yesterday. It's all the positivity and everything, which they obviously, as we've talked about, deserve. It's just no one's pointing the finger at Del Rio because I think you know a lot of people pointed at Ron for not going for two and, and some other stuff, mm-hmm. and, but like Jack Del Rio needs to get a little bit more here for the defense that is healthy and has everybody available um, and and their lack of what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Washington's run game, and it was good yesterday, but the Eagles still averaged more per carry than Washington did. The Eagles actually averaged right at four yards per carry, and Washington was at like 3.8, I think. Uh, although they, they looked strong in what they did, and it was balanced. I thought you made a great point that take that last drive out of it, it was almost 50-50 for Washington offensively. But they do have to find a way to put fewer points on the opposing team side of the scoreboard up there. Now, Philadelphia's a tough challenge, and the offense did click yesterday, and they do have one of the, the best receiving duos in the league in Brown and Smith for sure, but they do need to shore up that that part of it. All right, uh, bottom of the hour. Let's not fall too far behind. We'll talk a little more NFL when we come back on the other side, other than Washington and Philadelphia. Plenty of other games to talk about from yesterday and get a little bit more into the college game that Matt was touching on before he finished up at 3 o'clock, and we'll do that again before he finishes up at 5 o'clock as well. Just past the bottom of the hour, the 4 o'clock hour, mashup Monday on the Sports Auto, 1061 ESPN. Season long. Now it's time for the race to the fall classic. 1061 ESPN is your exclusive home for the MLB postseason in Richmond. Which begins right here on these here airwaves tomorrow afternoon. Major League Baseball playoffs on ESPN and here on 1061 ESPN. So no border to border, no sports huddle tomorrow and Wednesday and TBD Thursday, depending how many of the wild card games go the full three games. And if they play one in the afternoon as well as the evening. So basically baseball fans, baseball lovers, tune it in at about 2.30 tomorrow afternoon and the rest of the afternoon and the evening for the next two days will be 
wall-to-wall baseball. It's kind of like the uh, NCAA tournament on that Thursday and Friday. You kind of go wall-to-wall basketball. This will be wall-to-wall baseball from about the pregame at 2.30 or so. First game tomorrow is Texas and Tampa Bay at 3 o'clock. Then the other American League wildcard series, Toronto at Minnesota at 4.30. And then in the evening, the National League games, Arizona and Milwaukee at 7. And then Miami and Philadelphia at 8, and I imagine ESPN will be cutting back and forth between several of those games and give you the best coverage they can of all of them because there will certainly be uh, some overlap both tomorrow and Wednesday, but we'll have it all for you here on 106.1 ESPN. And then, again, as I said, nothing tomorrow for us, uh, Matt and me, or Wednesday, and we'll take it uh, and see what happens on Thursday, depending on what happens in the two games on Tuesday and Wednesday, the wild card games on Tuesday and Wednesday. So I heard you couldn't bear to watch last night. Huh, Matt? You couldn't bear to watch how many times Taylor Swift was on your TV screen, huh? Well, no, it's just more I watched the 1 o'clock game, the 4 o'clock game, and I, I didn't think it was going to be close between the Chiefs and the Jets. So I'm like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to skip the uh, Sunday night game and, and, and catch up on my Netflix. So interestingly enough, I watched the 1 o'clock game and skipped the 4 o'clock game, not necessarily by design. I'll tell you in a second. I think you can kind of tell. And then I did watch the Sunday night game, but very casually, like with the sound kind of down, which is um, unusual for me because I'm a big Mike Tirico guy, Syracuse, you, me, you know, all the whole Syracuse thing. But I really did kind of keep it a little bit in the background. And as you said, the 3 o'clock hour, it wasn't my team playing. The real litmus test for us will come when the Chiefs play the Eagles. And whether Taylor Swift shows up at all at that game, if she and Travis are still an item by then, and what her allegiance will be, part of me thinks she will not show up at that game in deference to both brother Kelsey's and Mama Kelsey, who she has been seen hanging out with as well. But but we'll find out when we get down there. It did not bother me last night, probably for the same reason that you mentioned. It wasn't my team. And I really didn't have the sound on that much. And it seemed like any time I was watching, for the most part, I was getting game action. I got the few cutaways of Taylor. But you know what? I got almost as many cutaways of Aaron Rodgers up in the box as well, which was okay. That's legit. He was a story. He's part of this deal. I I certainly get that. And they showed him on the field before the game and all of that. So it didn't bother me last night maybe i'm just getting even softer in my old age but again if it had been the eagles game i think i may have had a different different perspective on that than i did last night and i do love your idea i do think nbc should have taken one of its channels and just made it the taylor swift channel and you could have watched it all night long yeah you still get the ratings you could still come out and say hey look at how great our ratings were Mm -hmm. no i'm with you on that and let's be honest nbc was kind of You know, their backs were up against the wall here. They had to do that. I mean, just from a programming standpoint, they had to give it its due and then probably a little bit more than its due. But I would say this, like I said, I didn't listen that closely, but I am absolutely confident if anybody could balance that and make it work, it would have been Mike Tirico. So from that perspective, I don't think NBC really did anything wrong last night. 
and I didn't have a problem watching what I watched. Again, casually, I was intrigued that the Jets made a game of it. I was rooting for the Jets. Um, I love the fact that they got back into that game after being behind 17-0. You kind of tell a little bit I was listening. The crowd was ready to really unmercifully give it to them, and then they got that safety, then they got a field goal, then they got a touchdown, and then they're kind of back in the game, and they get it tied. And I think it was a really good game, as it turned out. And I think they gave, like, Patrick Mahomes his due, had a couple of big plays, the long run, the smart play to slide down at the one-yard line to end the game, all of that. So I think it was a little bit more balanced and fair than maybe I even thought it would. And maybe I'm just kind of a casual fan, and I don't mind seeing Taylor Swift every once in a while pop up on the screen. I don't know. Uh, I mean, that's a very rational uh, opinion there, Bob. Um, what I expect from you as always. Um, and yeah, I look, I'm sure there was a, not a lot of people who were annoyed by it. And obviously, as I said, I didn't watch, but reading some of the articles, it seemed like a little much at times, but whatever. Um, so here's why I didn't watch the four o'clock game. Yes, I was so out of sorts over the Eagle game, like I said, I could not differentiate myself between being a passionate fan of one team and a talk show host and reporter that focuses an awful lot on the other that I just had to get out. Like I got in the car and I went for a, like I went to the store, like I need a new trash can. I went looking for a trash. And now you could, you could draw some analogies there between some of the decisions the Eagles made and me going to look for a, a darn trash can yesterday afternoon. And I had to go to three stores to do it because they didn't have the one I was looking for in the first two. Uh, but it probably was the best thing for me because it calmed me down a little bit. It got me back to reality. As AJ said when we started the segment, let's not complain about a victory. There was plenty of good out of it, but I was. I was so out of sorts that I gave up on football for the 4 o'clock window and was able to come back. Therapeutically, it worked, and I did find the trash can. You know what else I saw yesterday, Matt? This is going way off topic here. And I'm even going to mention the stores. This really annoyed me. So I went to Lowe's and I went to Home Depot. Neither one of them had the trash can that I was looking for. I needed a small one. But they both had all sorts of Christmas decorations up already. I almost turned around and walked out, and I should have, of both of them. I couldn't believe it, Matt. I couldn't believe it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, we nope. still have one great holiday in front of us right. uh, this month and then another great holiday next month. Well, let's yep. not rush things here. So the first one is your favorite holiday, right? And the second one is my favorite holiday. There you go. I love Thanksgiving. I assume that's the one you were referring to. Correct. And you love Halloween, right? I do. Yes, they had already like pushed their Halloween decorations off to the side and in the back. And I literally walked in the store and was just blown up with Christmas stuff when I walked into first Lowe's and then Home Depot had almost the same thing. So that made me even more annoyed than I already was. Fortunately, Target... Had both the trash can I was looking for and no Christmas decorations. How's that for getting off the rails for us this afternoon? There you go. It's what, <laughs> it's what we do on a Monday. But that's what happened. I mean, I really, I needed something to just get away from it. So I give you all the credit in the world for watching the 4 o'clock games because they weren't great from what I remember. And then I was able to come back by the 8 o'clock game and watched. And I was intrigued by Mahomes and, you know, in New York. And, yeah, Taylor Swift as well and Aaron Rodgers. And it did turn out to be, you know, a really good game. And I was very definitely uh, rooting for the Jets, the Joe Douglas 
connection. Makai Becton played uh, substantially in that game on the offensive line. And I'm kind of rooting a little bit for Zach Wilson. I mean, he's been a punching bag here. I don't know what's eventually going to happen. And their defense is good enough to keep them in games. But I really was kind of rooting for the Jets. Yeah, what um, Rodney Harrison did after the game was not cool whatsoever. Now, I didn't see that. Explain that to me. I did see a little bit of it on Twitter. As soon as the game was over, I really did shut it down at that point. Well, basically, he just was interviewing uh, Chris Jones postgame, and he basically, you know, said that uh, Zach Wilson was trash, and he tried to get uh, Chris Wilson to say that he was trash, uh, Chris Jones, and Chris Jones wouldn't have it. Good for him. And I don't think players would do that anyway. You know, players won't do that to players. There's a brotherhood there. Good for him, though. That's that's unfortunate. It really is. Because, I mean, he's trying as hard as he can. Uh, he's got some, you know, decent receivers around him, I'll say that. And he did make some plays last night. He had the bad fumble and certainly was beating himself up over that. But I found it to be a pretty entertaining game. It got me back on board with football, got me over everything that annoyed me and frustrated me from the 1 o'clock game. So I was kind of fine with it. I think you're absolutely right. The next measuring stick of the Taylor Swift NFL will be the Eagles-Chiefs game, whether she even shows up at it. And if they keep showing her in that one, I'm proud probably going to be annoyed because like you said now it's it's our team that's on television like i didn't care between the jeffs jets and the chiefs particularly exactly it's like how a lot of people don't like the manning cast when it's their own team although i think mm-hmm. the manning cast does a fine job even when it is your own team hmm. i've watched it a few times i've kind of faded on it a little bit but i'll go back to it because i think they're good obviously it was a great new invention of the Mannings and television and ESPN, which is why I think having like their own channel last night for Taylor Swift stuff. And you're right, creatively, they could have done so much with it. They wouldn't have had to like keep the shot on her the whole time. They could have played some of her songs. The movie's coming out. Could have kept the game in the lower right or left-hand corner. They really could have been creative and done something with it. It probably would have taken a little pressure off of uh, Tarico and company and the actual broadcast on on NBC. We could all braid each other's hair. <laughs> You're not big on this either, are you, AJ? Oh, I think everybody knows where I stand. <laughs> um, hey, the Ravens got a big win for you yesterday. Right? So speaking of making fun of you guys, I I was just as negative about my Ravens. They won 28-3. to What can you be negative about? We're spending a billion dollars on, on 130-some <laughs> yards and two touchdowns. Wow. Well, what more do you want? Come on! What now. more There's... do you want? You're four zero. I know. I we know. lost to the Colts. I know. The I, Colts, I, Bob. I, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. All right, let's touch on some college football in the last segment here. Let's get a little bit of that in here before we let Matt go at five o'clock, and then we'll roll through that in the five o'clock hour as well. Uh, Mashup Monday on the Sports Huddle on a Monday afternoon, one zero six one ESPN. We gave you the Braves all regular season on this dial. Why would we stop now? 1061 ESPN is your exclusive home for the Atlanta Braves games during the 2023 MLB playoffs. Don't miss a moment. Talk a little college football in the remaining time that we have uh, with Matt Josephs here to the top of the hour, and then I'll take you from 
five until six o'clock tonight. I guess we start with the positive, Matt, and um, Virginia Tech gets a win. They seem to have Pitt's number, 38-21. They get two guys earning ACC Player of the Week honors, quarterback Kyron Drones, running back Basial Tootin. Uh, both had big games for uh, Virginia Tech. Drones counting for five touchdowns in that game i think uh, what three passing and two rushing and then uh, two in the running back of the week rushing for 109 yards so good effort by the Hokies, and boy did they need that one considering where they're headed this week yeah and um it's just so funny because they finally figured out how to use their weapons properly and you wonder if it's just a one week thing or if they're going to carry it over to to uh florida state this weekend well, I think they'll try. I don't know that they're going to have the same results against Florida State that they had against Pitt, but I agree with you. I think they found some things offensively and defensively, quite frankly, as well. I think it was a you know feel-good win for them. May only last one week, but at least it gives them some momentum going into that Florida State game and, and something to kind of build on uh, with the win over Pitt at Lane Stadium on Saturday night. Wish we could say the same about UVA. Uh, had the lead at halftime, what, two-touchdown lead at halftime, and, and and really had a flat third quarter at Boston College. Yeah, and um, it's not helping Tony Elliott. And obviously, yeah. I, I think you should you should give him more than two years, but he's not helping his case here by how they're losing some of these games. Yeah, I know. We talked about it at great length in the NC State game, and then the way they collapsed against Boston College, not a very good Boston College team either, and certainly he gets more than two, probably even more than three, depending on how things go, and I've said it all along, probably deserves a little extra considering everything they went through at the end of last season. At some point, it will become a business again, uh, and they will have to make some tough decisions there. Tony Musket, I thought, did a really nice job. Uh, his numbers look really good, inflated a little bit by the one Hail Mary pass, but still, they it, it worked. They completed it. Um, you know, and I was with you. I I would have gone with Calandria, but Musket certainly was not the reason they lost that game overall. I didn't think exactly. Yeah, he was not the the reason. I just I just don't know what's the benefit of him. You know, I would hope that as the season continues on, that he would not be the starting quarterback. But who knows? He has one more year, though, from what I learned last week. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I was the same way. I thought he was he was a one-time transfer, but I'm pretty sure somebody confirmed that for me, and I think I looked it up that he he actually has another year. Because I was saying the same thing you were that there was no you know this sounds really harsh, but there was no reason to have that kind of you know over the top allegiance to a one-year player. Uh, we're happy you're here. We're glad you're here. We wanted you here. But we got a freshman quarterback who could be with us for four or five years. You know, we need to take care of business there. But he does have another year. Even that, I, I would still weigh the options, and I would still go with Calandria at some point this year, Matt. I would hope so. I would hope they're not going to let the four-game thing stop them, but who knows? They may have larger plans for him in the grand scheme of things, and they're going to say, well, we're going to use him on a year that we actually have some hope for, so he is only going to play the four games. And I guess they're at that point. Has he played four at the moment? So he did play the first game. Yeah. So I think, I think he only has one more. Well, they would have played four. Did he not play in the – I have to look – in the JMU game? Um, Pretty sure he did play in the JMU yeah, game. And so, then Maryland. And then well, he NC started State. in Maryland, yes. Yeah, and NC State. So that's four. So my guess is that they're ready to just let him go 
and play. I don't mean let him go like leave, but just play moving forward. So I mean, the way we are in college football nowadays, yeah. Bob, like it, it, he sh- he puts stuff down on tape, and it, and he may be thinking, you know, I could go elsewhere, and somebody else could play me right away. So you, that's where you kind of have to think about your future. Yep, that's another reason I'd probably play him and say you are a future here at Virginia. There's no reason for you to go anywhere else. Uh, that is part of the new college football and the college athletics landscape and man oh man i I know you said it in the three o'clock hour but tip of the cap to james madison what they have now been through the last four weeks if any team needed and deserved a bye week which they have it's jmu that's another impressive win for them yeah and it just it just kind of makes the ncaa look so dumb i mean it's just the fact that they're that they're doing this with no postseason whatsoever there we go there's the music God, finish your thought, Matt. We got a minute. No, I'm just saying that the, the fact that they have no postseason, they're 5-0 and and could be ranked is just uh, foolish by the NCAA. They have made peace with that, and they have made peace with themselves that it's all about them, and it's all about what they can do and accomplish with what they have in front of them. And more power to them. As we said, if any team deserved and earned a, a week off, it's certainly the JMU Dukes. And it's you and me as well, Matt. We've earned some time off, so we are Tuesday and Wednesday, and hopefully we're both back at it on Thursday. Yep, go Phillies. Go Phillies, for sure. We'll talk more about that. Yeah, we'll get into a little baseball. Good lead in there, Matt. We'll get into a little baseball in the 5 o'clock hour and much more football as well. And whatever you'd like to talk about, 804-327-0888. Sports Center update, and then we're back with the 5 o'clock hour of the Sports Hub. Joiner Fine Properties is proud to be the 